Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fate's Wide Wheel. We don't really have much of a cold open this week. We don't, like, there's not... I feel like we do more of the cold opens when we're recording live. Yeah, or, or when there's a guest or something like that. Usually with this, it's just like, let's get down to business. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very utilitarian. I'm not sure if that's the right word. Anyway. Yeah, it works, works for me. I anyway, so we have a much lighter episode this week. You know, we definitely do. Uh, you know, certainly not going to be as much controversy. I have to say, in, in having some time to think about the episode... I specifically we're talking about last week's episode, right? Right, right, okay. right, right. It, I wonder if we weren't maybe a little too harsh on it, and the reason why I say that is because in our quest, if you will, mm-hmm. to contextualize the episodes, mm-hmm. um, I think perhaps we leaned a little too hard into 2018 eyes and didn't maybe grant the understanding and awareness to the 1991 eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you think about it, like, I still don't think it's a good episode. I still think there are flaws far beyond what I'm about to mention. But when you do think about the way that Sam is treated, Katie is treated, and Sam's reaction specifically to that treatment, it, it certainly... I don't think it was revolutionary by any means, but to have a character kind of run up against the cliches of how a rape victim might have been treated and to try to upend those cliches with a, a little bit of honesty is at least somewhat admirable. Again, I think that the episode had flaws far beyond that, but I don't think we spent enough time maybe with that. I mean, I know we mentioned it early on, but you mm-hmm. know, I don't I, know. I agree. What's funny, so uh, Jeff Stray in our Facebook group, he commented uh, that a lot of the things we found problematic in the episode were intentionally problematic. They were supposed to make us angry. Um, and uh, what's funny, uh, whatever it was, like one night earlier this week, uh, I texted Betsy, let her know I was coming home from work, and she's like, hey, I'm listening to the episode. I have thoughts Smiley face. <laughs> um, and, and her thoughts were very much in line with uh, with Jeff's, where she thought that we were too harsh on the episode in that, um, again, all the problematic things, uh, a lot of the problematic things are supposed to be problematic. We are supposed to be angry. That was the point. And she felt like we were uh, missing the point. Uh, she felt like I probably leaned more towards that way, but... Um, but that you and, and Claire kind of overpowered my point of view, <laughs> uh, and I would agree with that. I tend to I tend to be the the, the quieter one uh, when I'm the, dis, the the dissenting voice in the room. But going back to what we said last week, I think a lot of the good that the episode does is undone by the last scene. Oh yeah, 
without a doubt. I mean, that's the thing. The episode is still fatally flawed, regardless of whether or not we were a little too harsh on that particular element of the episode. Um, I, I, I would argue, I don't know that we missed the point. I think that, that it, again, we just were looking at it with 2018 eyes, so we didn't like the point. Uh-huh. Um, it was difficult to, to navigate an episode with no other sympathetic characters. And the only other character who becomes somewhat sympathetic is she divulges that she was raped in a completely jack-in-the-box moment that has no... <laughs> that you just don't see coming yeah. at all, you know? And, sure. And, and serves no purpose, really. Sure. Um, but, uh, I mean, so, I, I also... Th- I, I think that, that that is a product of episodic television, especially maybe that of the time. I can think of one other episode this season coming up that is also even more guilty of that. Mm. Trope of a of a character making a revelation, uh, in the last scene. Sure. Um, but but yes. Yeah. So, for what it's worth, I felt like I felt like opening with that because oh yeah, it's I wanted that to, I've yeah. been, that I've been thinking a lot about, and um, you know, I think getting caught up in the moment and caught up in the discussion that we were that we were having and the track that we were following, it was easy to get upset, you know, and indignant as opposed to, um, you know, pay a little bit more attention, um, to that particular aspect. Cause you know, the thing is, is even in last week's episode, I mean, I did mention uh, on a couple of occasions that, you know, I said like, maybe that's the point, but I just don't like that point. Mm-hmm. And I think while that's a fair argument, um, that, that ultimately it, it didn't, it did a little bit of a disservice to, to contextualizing the episode in 1991. Sure. So, so there you have that. Now, moving on, however, I have to say that I was more than pleasantly surprised because this episode, I think for a lot of fans in their memories, is the episode where Sam limps, leaps into a chimp. Mm-hmm. This episode deserves far more credit than that. This is a damn good episode. Okay. You don't agree? I think it's an okay episode. Oh, man, I think it's one of the best episodes of the season so far. All right, well, let's dive into it. All right. So, <clears throat> we are talking about The Wrong Stuff. Um, well, this episode initially aired November the 6th, 1991. Our leap date is January 24th, 1961, and Sam has leapt into Bobo the Chimp. Our writer is Paul Brown. Um, Paul Brown, of course, is no stranger to Quantum Leap at this point. Um, I believe this is, I can tell you exactly, this is going to be um, his 11th episode out of a total of 13 that he would write. Uh, Most recently, he's responsible for Nuclear Family. Um, Also responsible for one of our favorites here at Fate's Wide Wheel, Good Night, Dear Heart. Um, And also for one of our more ick- Factor episodes, Catch a Falling Star, uh, among many others. Um, <laughs> our director is Joe Napolitano, um, who has directed a number of episodes up to this point, I, I believe a total of 12 on his resume. Um, this is his ninth episode. Uh, he'll go on to do Last Gunfighter, Moments to Live, and Curse of Tahotep. Um, prior to this, uh, he's done Play Ball, Shock Theater, Heart of a Champion, Black on White on Fire, Boogeyman, oh shit, I said it. Um, 
I really well, didn't mean to. This has been a great episode. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for thank you for not listening, everybody, because you're never going to hear this. I really didn't mean to say it. It just <laughs> slipped out. Uh, Leap Home Part One, Sea Bride, and Pool Hall Blues. Uh, so for the most part, there, I think we can agree. Directed some 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 high quality episodes of the series. Sure. Um, and yeah, we are uh, we're in Florida. Cape Canaveral, Florida. Um, yeah. And uh, space program. We're in the throes of the space program, the Mercury. Yeah. Um, some great stock footage of shuttles blowing up. Or, or rockets, I guess. These, yeah, they're not really shuttles, but... Yeah. Yeah. All right. TV guide description. Sam leaps into a chimpanzee in the space program whose life may be in danger if he is not selected, if he is not selected as an astrochimp. In other countries... Yes, do it. Uh, in Italy, it was just uh, simply called Chimponauts. In France, it was called Monkey and Astronaut. In Germany, it was called Monkey Love. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, noted this won an award, uh, this won the Genesis Award for raising awareness of animal issues. Yeah. It's noted in Matt Dale's book that when it was announced that they were going to have Sam leap into a chimp, uh, Don Belisario got more mail. He got more letters for this episode than any other episode praising the episode before people even knew what the episode was about. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Yeah. And, and, yeah, uh, Sam, like I said, everyone remembers this one is like, this is the one. That Sam leaps into a chimp. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the the leap in is handled so well because mm-hmm. after a heavy episode like Raped, um, I feel like they actually get the leap out, leap in right because mm-hmm. all you get is that Sam is in the capsule. You know, ignition is about to happen. He's freaking out. He can't do this. He can't do this. Uh, and that's it. So it leaves us kind of in a high stress situation after coming off of a darker episode. It's not like we get like, you know, freedom and and, and then the punchline of you know what I mean. It's like it's like oh his grandfather just died in his arms and now he's in a dress or whatever. I don't know. I can't remember what the leap out is. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, the the you know that 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 it benefited from that. So coming into the episode, um, even the pre credit stuff is still playing into that. Um, you don't get the, any idea that he's a chimp until after we come through the credits. And, you know, they're I, taking him... Yeah, even when they come back, I forgot... It's a good minute that they draw out the reveal that he's a chimp. Yeah. And I, I had forgotten that. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's handled really well, to be honest with you. I really enjoy the way that they uh, that they do it. Um, and I think that it, it adds to a little bit of the, the tension, the comedy, and the enjoyment of the moment when the reveal does come. Um, I, one of the things that's interesting is that even in Matt's book, it gets mentioned as sort of a lighthearted comedy episode. And while there are certainly some more lighthearted and comedic elements that we've not necessarily had in recent episodes, I don't know that I would call it a comedy episode. I mean, there's some pretty uh... high... You know, drama elements of the episode. There's some good heart to the episode. Um, I get it. The conceit that he's a chimp is funny. Like, what are sure. you going to do with that? But 
I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, uh, I really, I think there's more to it than that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, there is. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, there are comedy bits like the the first scene where Al is in, just like their back and forth, you know. Yeah, just just totally. that, that entire back and forth. Uh, the the running joke of the caterpillar drink. Uh, yeah, which, yeah. which, by the way, I looked it up. That is a thing, and actually, that that's recommended. Uh, it popped up on a list of things of like uh, like top seven proteins you're going to be eating in the future. Yeah, uh, caterpillar was <laughs> caterpillar was on that list, and um, uh, and also the the joke of like you know the 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 G force training and the equilibrium training, like all like the running jokes of like Sam being humiliated in a diaper and not being yeah. able to do much right, even though that ends up having dire consequences. Right. Uh, right. But yeah, I would, I would say like, well, the when fir- he gets his temperature taken, that's another moment that you can't help it. That yes, so. I, I, I had, I had forgotten that moment. I realized, uh, we, we skimmed over, like talked about like our memories from it when we were kids. Like I remember when I was a kid, I really enjoyed this episode because as I was rewatching the episode today, I realized how much of the dialogue that mm. I remembered from this episode. This was an episode oh, that I, yeah, this is an episode that I viewed frequently when I was a kid. Yeah. I, it, it's funny because I definitely remember seeing it a few times and I know it's one that I had, uh, on tape that I taped off of USA. Um, so it certainly got a few rewatches when I was younger. Um, there was definitely some dialogue that I that I recalled. You know, one thing that I didn't remember, which just bugged the shit out of me, was how, other than the one doctor with glasses whose name is not uh, popping into my head right now, like, every other male character had to leer at Dr. Ashton at some point. Oh, God. I, one, of the, one of the things in my notes is, Dr. Winger is thirsty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like... Every, uh, almost every exchange he has... With the woman doctor whose name is escaping me right now, Doctor uh, Ashton. Doctor Ashton, uh, every single line he is yeah. flirting with her. And the thing is, is it's it, it's unfortunate because when they do finally have a real conversation, and she tells him about you know uh, how she grew up with chimps and living in Cameroon and all this sort of stuff, it's actually a really well played scene by both the actors. The dialogue is good. It's 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 well done. Unfortunately, it's undercut by the fact that he's just been so lecherous at every other turn up until this point, and it's and it's a damn shame because it feels like weak writing, and it feels like well, we have a you know an attractive female character, we have our villainous male character, so he should spend the first few moments around here being, you know, that guy, and it's unfortunate I, because I feel like it'd be it'd be it would have been wonderful had he not, yeah, and then it turns out he's a bastard. I don't know. I mean, I mean, he's a tool, but I don't know if he's lecherous. Like he wasn't making overtly sexual comments, and I know this is a, this is a fine line here. He's not making overtly sexual comments. Like I don't just the way he looks at her, yeah, I mean, the tone yeah, of his voice, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean come like, on. I mean, like he he is being definitely inappropriate, but I don't think he's. I, I don't think it is an unrealistic portrayal of a guy in that situation. You know what I mean? Some guys, I guess, but it's just unfortunate that. Every, I mean, dude, we're no, talking. I mean, yeah, Al, it's, it's we're the running joke. Yeah, security guard, dude. We're talking doctor. We, I mean, like they're all, and it's just kind of like, 
it gets to the point where it's like, Christ, you know, can't one guy just have a normal conversation with her? True. I don't know. Yeah, like I'm I said, feeling, I'm feeling I'm feeling a little disenfranchised this week, so it's easy for me to just be like, God damn it! Oh, what, what what's up? Oh, just you know, you name it. Okay, okay. It's it, 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 I, I I feel uh, 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 I I have to, uh, you know, frankly, I just feel like I've been I've been a, a victim of workplace discrimination, and as a straight white dude, it feels insane to fucking say that, and that nobody will take it seriously, and so it's uh-huh. easy for me to just kind of feel like you know what. We have to stop. We have to stop generalizing individuals based on the color of their skin, their sexuality, or their gender identity. We have to. We do it all the goddamn time, and so many people. I mean, the good guys too are, are just as are, is just as guilty of it as mm-hmm. the bad guys. You know, we do it. It's an easy out. The amount of times I hear like men are this, or women are this, or you know, gays are this or that, and it's just sort of like we're we're, we're killing ourselves over these bullshit notions that, you know, any sort of particular identity has this common strain, and in particular a villainy that runs through them because that's how we tend to get at people. Sure. And then when you do have a problem and you do feel like you're, you know, somebody's really actually doing something to you, you feel like you can't even say anything about it because no one's going to believe you. I gotcha. So anyway, yeah, it's just difficult I, li- to watch yeah. all these dudes, you know. Just, yeah, I'm looking forward know, to hear more of Mike. Her. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, well, maybe this is a good time to do the, the IMDb cast list. This is, uh, this is a very small cast list. Yeah. And I really, it, it, it's, you know, it's deceptive in that um, I have a feeling like this was a very manageable episode, like set-wise. Like, they're all in one set. Yep. Uh, I mean, they have a it's few, almost like. almost like a bottle the, episode. Say what? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's they have almost a, few, a bottle they, episode. Yeah. yeah, they have a be- they have a few big set pieces. They have a couple of outdoor scenes, um, but I think that the, the fact that they're doing like such a high concept thing of having Sam leap into a chimp, I, I think that's something that you can miss easily. Sure. Uh, and I I'm pretty sure that they are in the same hangar where they did a lot of scenes from the pilot. I thought the same thing uh, on a couple of occasions, actually. It, it, it looked similar enough, and, and there was a vibe I just got from it that felt like, I wonder if this is the same hangar. Yeah, which is interesting because Edwards Air Force Base gets name-checked mm-hmm. a couple of times, and that's the Air Force Base from the pilot. Yeah, and and one of the, well, I mean, obviously, the first mention of Al being an astronaut is also in the pilot, and it mm-hmm. comes back as, you know, pretty valuable information in this episode. Yeah, around there. Yeah, so that's... Uh, yeah, 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 but Bottle episode also sprang to mind because almost all of the entire episode, like, takes place in now, that hangar. I will say, you know, generally when, when you say Bottle episode, it's a cost-saving measure because it's, you know, they, they do that in order to, to save money because they've gone big on another episode. I, don't, I wonder if that was the case here, however, because of the use of the chimps. I wonder how much money sure. they spend on that. So it does make you kind of, maybe maybe it's incorrect to label it that way, but it does feel like it has the trappings of that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of that even in the context of, like, costumes. You know, all they had to do at one point in the, all they had to do at one point in the parking lot was stick a car from the 60s, you know, late 50s, early 60s sure. in the parking lot, and that's it. Yeah. You know, and, and so those little things went a long way, though, as far as the production values of the episode, which was cool. Um... So Dr. Ashton is played by Caroline Goodall. Uh, she's certainly one of those people where you see her face, and it's like, I know I've seen her before. 
um, around the same time uh, of this episode of Quantum Leap. She was in a little film called Hook uh-huh. uh, as Moira Banning, who was uh, Peter's wife. Um, or Wendy's granddaughter, I believe, is the is the relationship there. Um, you know, because if you've seen Hook, it's basically that he keeps coming back and back and back, and Wendy mm-hmm. gets older and older and older, and then eventually he decides to stick around because he falls in love with her granddaughter. Make of that what you will. Uh, she she also uh, plays Emily Schindler in Schindler's List. Um, she, uh, you know, just did a, a laundry list of television and film uh, all the way right up until most recently. Um, it looks like uh, she was in the television series Bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And she also did Berlin Station, which I heard good things about, but I didn't, I have not seen. Um, she was in an episode of The Crown. Um, but yeah, just lots of stuff. And I'm sure that, you know, again, you've seen her in something somewhere. Yeah. Uh, interesting note is that she shares uh, a little bit in common with her character because she was born in England, however, to Australian parents. Um, so much like her character in this episode, you know, she was born in a country um, to parents from another country and, you know, went to another country. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm. Um, so interesting of note, she was in the movie Cliffhanger. Yes. Uh, also in the movie Cliffhanger was Michelle Joyner, who played Sister Mary Catherine in The Right Hand of God. I'll be damned. Have you ever seen Cliffhanger? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's uh, she, uh, Michelle Joyner's the first scene. She is the... Uh, she she's the plot device. She is the woman who gets fridged uh, to use a modern day movie trope. Right, right. Uh, right. She, she's the woman who falls to her death, uh, partly at the hands of Sylvester Stallone's character, and that's like his that's his angst for the rest of the movie. Yep, yeah, it sure is. Uh, I I I ate that movie up with a spoon, honestly, back in the day. It just came out at the right time, and and. You know, my friends and I were still playing with G.I. Joes, and so all of a sudden all of our G.I. Joes were now mountain climbers and, you know, just reenacting scenes from that film, so. For sure. Do do, do a little tangent related to Right Hand of God, and also I recently saw uh, Creed II of the Rocky series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've gotten to a little nighttime ritual with Harrison. Like when he gets wrapped up with his bath time, he will wrap a towel around him and he'll walk with the towel from the bathroom. <laughs> he'll walk, to, you know, to his room and the changing table. And like walking behind him, he looks a little bit like a little boxer, just yeah. like just like walking to the ring. And there have been a couple times I have tried to start humming the Rocky theme, <laughs> and without fail, do you know what happens? Oh no! It morphs into the montage music. From the right no. hand of God. Oh my God! What a beautiful mind you have, Dennis. It's just—I <laughs> mean, like because because the montage music is just enough of a ripoff of the Rocky oh, yeah. theme, and it's just—I start off with the Rocky theme, and then it just turns into the right hand of God. That's priceless. Anyway, oh man, I love it. I love it. Um, so next up is Doctor Weaver. We've got Gary Swanson. Uh, here's an interesting tidbit from his bio. He put aside a career as a professional high diver on the Atlantic City Steel Pier and began working immediately as Greg Mercer on NBC daytime soap opera Somerset in New York City. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't he? Uh, also, uh, the, this is back in the 70s, 1974 to be exact. Um, 
after that, lots of television stuff. Kojak, Logan's Run, Eight is Enough. Uh, he was on the, the television version of From Here to Eternity, um, which uh, suffers from having none of the star power or quality writing of the film. Uh, however, it was able to tell a little bit more of the story from the novel, so yeah, mm-hmm. make of that what you will. Uh, he also uh, would go on to do uh, some film, television movies, uh, more TV. Um, he was in an episode of Jake and the Fat Man, which, I've, was which I've never seen a complete episode of. But it's, an, uh, but it's a TV show called Jake and the Fat Man. I, that, was, that was something that, uh, yeah, that my dad watched. You know, any, any, any detective show. Uh, that that would be on for a season or two. He probably watched at some point. My mom too. So yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, more recently, uh, he's got a couple things. Apparently, uh, some shorts in the pipeline. Um, and he was in a film called The Retina as Doctor Green. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, a, a, a lengthy career to say the least, uh, and still with us. Just want to put that out there. We're not we're not the Grim Reaper on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, Dr. we have we have, a, we have a short list. Our odds are, our odds are better, right? Uh, Doctor Tucker um, is played by Albert Stratton, and uh, son of a bitch! Ah, uh, damn it! Well, you he, know he did. He did. He, he, yeah, he, he passed away April twenty sixth, two thousand eleven. Um, he did play McGeorge Bundy in the 1983 television miniseries Kennedy, which starred Martin Sheen as JFK. It's actually a pretty damn good miniseries. Holds up, holds up, honestly, I think. Um, he started his career back in the early 70s with the uh, television version of Love is a Mini Splendored Thing. Uh, he played Paul Drake on the new Perry Mason. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he would do an episode of... Wonder Woman also played Thomas Jefferson in the TV miniseries version of the Adams Chronicles. Um, he's our Star Trek. I was going to uh, say, like, don't here. don't miss this. <laughs> yeah, the outrageous Okana, uh, which is an episode of Star Trek that happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, not not one of its finest hours, honestly. I mean, also, there are people out there that love that episode. Yeah, I got a lot of Scott Bakula on the brain. Also, over the last couple of days, I watched the uh, the two episodes of Enterprise that take place in the Terran Empire and the mm. Dark Universe. Have you seen those two episodes? Uh, I, I believe so. Yes, they're like right at the end of the series, and it's so it, it has nothing to do with the storyline going on. In the main right. series, it's just it's just a two part standalone story that takes place entirely in in the Dark Empire universe. Yeah, of the Dark Mirror universe. Right, right. Yeah, um, uh, I remember a lot of folks saying at the time that Enterprise was on the air uh, that those were high watermarks of the series. Um, that that the episodes were usually very well done, um, mm. but unfortunately, I've not uh, I've not seen them. Mm. Um, I have not seen the last season in full. Oh, which okay. Is, which Got is, it. Which is why. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Uh, let's go on. Let's talk about um, Kim Robillard, who plays military officer number one. Uh, he's the, the jerk that bangs on, um, uh, oh, no, the female chimp. I've just forgotten her name. Corey. How could I? Corey, thank you. Uh, bangs on Corey's cage. Uh, also, you know, a fairly lengthy career. Um, starting back in uh, 86 with Hill Street Blues. Um, he would uh, also be in Hook as Toothless Cripple. Uh, <laughs> he played uh, Mr. Dexter in The Wonder Years. He was also in Cliffhanger 
as the Treasury oh. Jet Pilot. Mm. He was um, also on an episode of Dexter. That's right. That's right. Uh, Dark Skies, Jag, Dark Skies, underrated show. Uh, the Pretender did a couple episodes mm-hmm. of The Pretender. Um, and more recently, you know, we've got a lot, a lot of television stuff over the past 10, 15 years. But more recently, um, Shameless and uh, Kingdom. Uh, something that I remember him from actually is in Ali. He plays Jimmy Cannon, who's the sports writer that, that follows Muhammad Ali. Oh, uh, okay. And interviews and stuff like that. Uh, probably one of his more prominent roles, honestly. Um, and then Peter Mernick plays our second military officer who comes in towards the end. Uh, and he has a career starting uh, shortly before this episode, actually in 89, uh, with TV 101. Did an episode of Tour of Duty, uh, which I'm surprised is a show that we've not talked more about in context of this because it feels like, I don't know, I aired around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anyway. Uh, did a couple episodes of Seinfeld and, you know, would, would go on to work in television throughout the majority of the 90s uh, and early 2000s, including ER, The Pretender, uh, played a NASA tech in Armageddon, uh-huh. so he kind of moved up the, the food chain, if you will. Um, he would also have a recurring role on JAG, another Belisario show, as Clark Palmer and Tom Boone. Um because, you know, you get to play two characters, I guess, on that show. Uh, and, and then most recently um, had a run on Justified, uh, one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And uh, most recently a film called Burning Dog, which I know nothing about. So there you have it. There's our cast. Short, sweet, simple. There we go. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I would say that you know, earlier, earlier, like criticism of, of the story aside, that um, I, I really enjoyed the cast on the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think um, you know Caroline Goodall in particular. Um, she does an excellent job, which is difficult, uh, you know, as an actor of playing against another actor and not being able to communicate with that actor at all. Sure, and yet yeah. having to look at that character, that actor in the eyes having to hear what that actor is saying, and, and, and she just does a really beautiful job with that. And then when she does get scenes with the other actors, I think, you know, just acquits herself well. She's a really good, really, really strong guest star. Uh, mm-hmm. one, of, one of the best of the season, honestly. Yeah. And Dr. Winger. Yeah. Dr. Winger. Again, you know, I don't hate him. I, I, I really don't. I think that the later, the, you know, the latter half of the episode compared to the way he is in the first half of the episode, we get a, a, a much more well-rounded character. It's just the sort of that leering first two encounters he has with Dr. Ashton just rubbed me the wrong way. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. La- laughing about something I'll tell you about off mic. Anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. I was like, can I tell that story? Eh, it's probably safe not to tell that story on mic. Uh, it, it does involve me and involves somebody else in another work situation. I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't tell that story. Um, so what are some uh, you know, great moments in the episode? Just like the entire reveal that he's a chimp and the mm-hmm. looking in the mirror. Uh, Sam and Al's first scene together, um, all the lines in there. Um, I, I find it interesting that they make the choice to have Sam wigged out by the fact of leaping into a chimp. Because I feel like another choice would have been to have him very excited because of uh, being excited as a scientist. Mm. of the implications that it has. 
That's a very good point. Um, of course, he's in a diaper. Right, right. So cut him some slack. But it's interesting. There, you know, this is subtext to say the least, but I feel like there's been a number of leaps that we've gotten in a row now where it feels like Sam just wants to get out. Yeah. You know, he's not happy in the situation that he's in. I mean, he's been in uh, the throes of a hurricane. He's been in the KKK. He was a rape victim. Like, he's not had some of the same zeal, shall we say, that we saw maybe towards the end of the third season where it felt like he was kind of really dialed in on what this leaping thing was about, but he was also kind of enjoying moments a little sure. bit more. And and other than, you know, maybe a couple of moments in Permanent Wave, uh, and, and certainly I think the responsibility he takes on himself in Play Ball, he definitely seems like the most of the, the episodes in this season, he's been very sort of like, get me out of here. Sure. Very uh, journeyman, let's get the job done. Yeah. Let's get out. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I'm looking ahead to the rest of the season. I'm thinking if that's that's a recurring theme that we have through the rest through the rest of the season. Well, I mean, the next episode, you know, is, oh is gosh, yeah, and you know, he, he wants out. I mean, there's I'd say there's there's quite a few episodes this season where it does kind of feel that. Where you just way. feel yeah. like is he hitting his Andy Griffith moment? <laughs> <laughs> do you do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> He's, he's ready to leave Mayberry, is that what you're trying the, to say? Uh, did, did you ever watch the last three seasons of The Andy Griffith Show after Don Knotts left? No. no, no, uh, no. I've, it, I've seen, I, I, funny enough, I've only seen a handful of episodes. Okay. Uh, funny, Don Knotts leaving the show correlated also when the series went from black and white to color. Mm-hmm. And Andy just turns into a grouch. Okay. Because he becomes the straight man to everybody else's shenanigans. Like, everybody else in the town fills into the role that Don Knotts left behind. Sure. And it's just, it's just as, as the last three seasons go on, Andy Taylor just hates life. <laughs> and he turns into a grump. Um, yeah. Which I think reflected Andy Griffith's attitude towards the show. Yeah. And, uh... Not saying that, that that Scott Bakula was getting grumpy at this time, but they did put the man in a diaper in this episode. Yeah, yeah, and you know you do have to you do have to take into account the fact we touched on this briefly before about you know the the, the workload that, that sure. he had at this point. Um, so it, it may, may make sense that maybe he was feeling a little a little stretched thin and and feeling a little get me out of here. Um, although, you know, you do hear a lot of even contemporary interviews with him, uh, uh, where he is kind of excited for the prospect of doing these things. So, you know, maybe it was just more of an affectation of the, of the character. And, and sure. honestly, I mean, it, we, it's written we, that way too, obviously. Right. And we might be reading a little too much into it, but if you do put it in context of leap back, you know, even if he doesn't remember why he wants to, sure. we know now that the stakes are even higher for him to get back home. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting because, again, the episodes that we've had do feel fairly, in spite of stretching themselves a bit. I, just, I, I again, I almost, almost in the same way with raped. It feels like they're stretching themselves, but they're not necessarily putting the effort in. They're just riding the gimmick. I think this episode gets lucky 
because I don't think I again I I, I think people get remember it as the episode where Sam leaps into a chimp, but I think it acquits itself very well. And it's one of I, I, honestly like as, as I was watching the episode, and especially towards the end, I'm like, man, this is probably one of my favorite episodes of the season so far. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Um this was also a point in the episode. I know that the last two seasons, the budget of the show got cut. And yeah. I think it's very noticeable in season five. Um, around this time, maybe a couple of months later, there was a TV Guide article that came out as a, was a, a feature article about Quantum Leap. And it was called What Keeps Quantum Leaping? <laughs> and and it, and it was about the show's struggle, one, with the ratings, because it was never a ratings hit, and two also to try to tell exciting stories on a budget. And it was talking about the limitations, like, you know, at this point, you do have a lot of episodes that take place in a prison. You have a lot of episodes that take place here. Um, and, and it's just the complaint that they could not really do the exciting things that they wanted to do with the premise of the show because they were limited by the budget. Yeah. I, you know, I guess the thing is, is that some shows have been up against a similar constraint and, and gotten inventive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that as, as we well know that, that, you know, quantum leap ended up kind of getting gimmicky. Um, sure. I would know, say this is one of like, five. I would say this is one of like one of the first like real like gimmick episodes. Mm-hmm. Cause like previous gimmick episodes were like based in character. Right. Like let's show Al's first wife. Let's have Sam leap home. Like right. this is like maybe like the first like real like gimmick episode, for sure, for sure. Um, but I, I mean, I, again, that said, I I think that the you know the story uh, holds together pretty well. I think that the uh, you know the the way that Sam gets kind of nullified um, it works really well. Um, it, it, it heightens the stakes in a way. Um, you know, you, you're worried about Sam uh, because he doesn't have the same agency that he normally would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, of course, by the end of the episode, you know, physically speaking, he's able to do things that the chimp would not have been able to do, which is, you know, which kind of gives him his cause for being there. Sure. Um, but uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. No, in for me. no uh, <laughs> it's interesting that you brought up stakes because one thing I, I did notice about this episode watching it, every once in a while they really hammer home this idea that if Sam fails his mission, he will not leap. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the, the stakes are kind of set up that he's not just fighting for the leap B or the lives surrounding the leap B, but he's fighting for his own life. Yeah. And this is an episode where they do that. And I'm wondering, because like you find out that eventually in the original history, Bobo just disappears, and then they're not sure, and then it turns out that he died of head trauma, because of what we're going to find out later on in the episode, it almost feels like a chimp losing its life was not high stakes enough. Sure. So they had to tease this idea that Sam would be stuck in Bobo's life and... Bobo's fate would become his. Great. I, I yeah. I mean, I think that that again, for the purposes of, of raising the stakes, mm-hmm. um, that it, it is. God, when I mean, 
Well, I guess permanent wave. I, I was just about to say, you know, when's the last time we had such kind of a life and death sort of moment um, for Sam? But, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that we've had justice and permanent wave already this season. So, mm-hmm. you know, both of those were... were but, you know, again, th- those also had a little bit more to it than that. Um, I think that his... Uh, you know, seeing him strapped down to that chair with the impact... Uh-huh. Uh, you know, thing aimed at his head, um, and knowing that he's out, and and the, the tension that they're able to create by prolonging it, and, and cutting away to the gauge, and then to the doctor, and his hand over the button, uh, it, it it feels very real. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously we know our hero is not going to die, but at the same time, I think they're able to kind of create just about as much tension as they possibly can, mm-hmm. given that conceit. Uh, and, and do it very well, um, and I think that they're able to continue that through the moment he kind of escapes up until the, the very end of the episode. Absolutely. Um, in, in a really wonderful way. And the, the drama of the, the whole thing plays well. Not only that, the, the moral fiber of the character comes through in a really wonderful way when they're at the fence mm-hmm. and you know, the, the doctor's falling into the water. Now, if we wanted to give a minor quibble, we could certainly say, was the water really deep enough that this dude's going to struggle? But... <laughs> I, I, I did have that thought. Um, you know, I did, but it's also like you know, scouting locations. If this is a thing where they like they like they fudge the budget on other things because of working with the monkey, sure, yeah, whatever. Right. Um, so it is interesting to know, like uh, prepping for the episode today, I was reading some stuff from the message board from Al's place on this episode, and these are like yeah. like a, a conversation from like over a decade ago. But it is interesting to note that this may be one of the leaps that would really stretch this idea of Sam is physically there. And just surrounded yeah. by the aura of the person that he's replaced. This is the one episode that really stretches that idea of what his size must be compared to Bobo's. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, uh, this was in one of the Quantum Leap trivia books that was written. That um, the, I, I really appreciated this idea that that the the the, the aura talk. That maybe it's just like really fancy thing, and I, and I can't remember like what, what the what the name of the story is or the details of the story. Um, uh, but the idea of the of these tribal people on this island, like looking out at sea and seeing these ships out in the water, and they physically could not see them because they had no frame of reference to uh, to understand what they were seeing. Mm. And I, uh, and I bring that up like everybody sees Sam as the chimp because to see Sam as Sam in that situation would have just been too overwhelming and they would have gone crazy. Sure. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think I'm explaining the point very well. But anyway, it kind of stretches the whole notion of like they see, they see the leap B and not Sam. Right, right, right. Well, you know, I mean, I think that the that the uh, we're going to get to an episode um, where uh, I mean, it's no secret to anyone that's watched the show before, but that um, you know, Sam is playing uh, a man who has no legs mm-hmm. and he stands up. Yeah, and I think that we can obviously um, that that'll be in season five. Um, nowhere to run, but. Um, 
By the way, I'm, I'm Facebook friends with someone who's in that episode who was introduced by uh, by another friend. So we're gonna have to reach out to him for an interview when uh, when that time comes. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. That would be great. He lives um, up. He lives up in Evanston now. But the, you know, I think the thing about that episode is it does it makes you ask all sorts of questions like, well, how does the nurse not notice, or you know what I mean? Like, if his legs are physically there, would she not be able to feel them if she was? You know, it, it really it really does make you wonder. And it's a, it's the same thing with a chimp. It's like. If, if, if Dr. Ashton is touching the chimp, does she feel the hair? Does she feel Sam's bare skin? Or You know, I mean, let's face it. For the purposes of the show, we need to just have our willing you know, suspension of disbelief and, and, and let it go of any of these questions. Um, but, you know, when you start to think about it a lot, it does make you wonder, you know, how much of that aura is physical as well as visual. Yeah. Um, you know, how much of it is that if Sam leaps into somebody with a beard or a mustache, if they feel his face, they still feel the beard or mustache, even though they're touching Sam. And how much of that is kind of going off of what you're saying, a psychological reaction as opposed to a physical one. For sure. Um, so and also, I, what, do, what does Sam see when he looks down at himself? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, I mean, I think early on the conceit of the show was is that Sam would see whoever he leapt into, as well as Al would see whoever yeah. Sam had leapt into. Yeah. Um, but that that changed. Now, I, I think that um, that one of the books posits that the reason why that changes is because Al has such problems yeah. when he leaps into Samantha that they kind of you know mess with his neurons and mesons a bit so that now he sees you know he tunes him in better so he sees Sam only. Sure. Um, but yeah, in the context of the episode, it is interesting because there's even a, a point where uh, Dr. Ashton remarks to Sam, uh, Bobo, you're walking very erect. You're very erect, uh, yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, and when she's looking at him, when they're walking side by side, she's looking into Scott Bakula's eyes. Sure. Eyes. So we, but we know that Bobo obviously would be a lot smaller than that. Another thing that's interesting, too, is at one point she kind of lifts him up onto the, uh, the hospital uh, a gurney or whatever. Not gurney, oh yeah, but the medical. Bed. Sure. And it's just sort of like, man, is she? Would she not feel Sam's weight when she does that? Now maybe Sam gives her a little help with a hop or something like that. But it, it, I mean, there are a lot of factors that come into play. The same thing with the idea, of course, that they joked about Sam leaping into a baby, and you'd have to ask yourself, well, how's that work? You know, could we fit in the crib? Could he oh, actually? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, like, gl- I'm glad they never got to that because yeah, that would have been. That, I would have loved to have seen the cartoon episode. <laughs> but, oh, the baby episode would have just been a cluster mug of, of, yeah. 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 And, yes, I said cluster mug, which is uh, Under the Dome, Stephen King book. Have you seen that? Have you read that? No, 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 no I haven't anyway, actually. Anyway, don't, don't watch. Oh, God, the TV series is so God. So, so horrible. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I, I'd forgotten. Uh, so at the beginning, Sam tries to reveal his identity. He tries oh, to yeah. write his name down. Like, where did he think that was going to go? Right. Right. Well, it's, you know, it's funny, too, because the episode obviously has a lot of allusions to other uh, other pieces, including the title with the right stuff. And uh, this is certainly an allusion to Planet of the Apes. Sure. Um, you know, when Taylor writes his name down, you know, my name is Taylor. And uh, I, I think it's a nice little it's a nice little reversal, nice little nod. And of course, the, the best part about the whole thing is that he's only taken seriously for about 10 seconds. And mm-hmm. then the doctors are like, well, of course he didn't write it. Somebody's joking around. What are you gonna, yeah. Um, yeah, because we're like a full like eight or nine years before Planet of the Apes is even a movie. That's right. 
That's right. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Well, you know, they, they, so in other words, they didn't get the joke. They would, the viewer yeah. would have gotten the joke, but the doctors wouldn't have. So yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so then we have the the comedy sequence. So let's get that. Why why do you think this is such a great episode? Because I, uh, I I think it's kind of a meh episode, and it's boosted by the gimmick. Okay. Uh, I think that one of the reasons why it's such a strong episode is that the um, there's an honesty to the episode. Um, I mean, the, 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 the scenario is steeped in fact. Um, I, I mean, right up until the point that they actually, which is something that, frankly, they rarely do uh, get right. They actually got the date right of when the first chimpanzee would be launched into space, yep. which is January 31st, 1961. Uh, the chimpanzee's name was Ham, um, and I, I, I don't know, I, I can appreciate that. I mean, I've always been fascinated by the space program in general. Um, there's a lot of really nice nods. I think the character work that ends up happening um, with Dr. Ashton and Dr. Weaver is fairly well done in spite of some of my critiques of Dr. Weaver's introduction. Um, I, I really enjoy the interplay between Sam and Al. I feel like we get... The Sam Al relationship in this episode is stronger than it's been since the leap back, as far as I'm concerned. I would agree um, with that. Yeah, and 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 so I really enjoy that. I think that the episode, in spite of being remembered as a gimmick episode or a lighthearted episode, strikes a really wonderful balance between the light lighthearted comedic aspects and the more uh, dramatic, you know, heavier high stakes aspects, uh, which is not something that we've seen a whole lot of this season either it's, sure. it's been kind of an either or situation uh, although permanent wave i would argue certainly has some really nice sweet moments to it um so yeah i, I just think that it, overall it really it's a wonderful example of quantum leap if i were to put together a, a marathon um you know i maybe it would would it crack my top 10 uh, for a marathon viewing sure if i was showing it to a new viewer i think it might yeah, yeah. Um, I would agree so I with think that. that. I, I think that puts it up pretty high on the list because I don't know that I would necessarily say that about any of the other episodes in season four thus far. That's, yeah, that's interesting because, like, yeah, it's it's definitely not a top ten episode for me. Mm-hmm. But if I were introducing the series to someone else, I would definitely include this in a marathon because it kind of gives an idea of the different things the series tried to do. Sure. Right. Right. So yeah, um, and I think it's also one of those things where they they you know they give you it, it, it's a nice episode for quite frankly for educational value as well. Yeah, I, I you know I think that it's that's something that the show when this when Quantum Leap is at its best in my opinion it will provide you with a, a really wonderful human drama or primate drama in this case. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, while, while also giving you some sort of high stakes, you know, maybe a dash of action adventure, um, but also be educational, have some educational value. Yeah. As a time travel show, I think that that's, you know, one of the things that time travel uh, programs it really, when they're at their best, can, can do. Yeah. You know, they can kind of educate the viewer as well as providing this, for sure. Story, so. You know, something I never thought about until just now this moment. 1991 was just five years after the Challenger explosion. Very good point. And, ah, uh, God, yeah. And there are a and lot it, it, yeah, of it, stock footage of exploding 
space yeah. capsules. I mean, yeah, and, 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 and in this series, I mean, like all of that stock footage and, and, and just being five years after Challenger, it kind of brings into like we kind of like look back and romanticize uh, you know, the, the, the space program and we forget like all of the all of the sacrifice. Well, and, it's one of the yeah. Sorry, the, yeah, that, that's it. It's one of the honestly, like I, 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 I'm gonna throw a big word out here. It's one of the genius moves of the script, as far as I'm concerned, is connecting Doctor Weaver to the test pilots because his his scene with Doctor Ashton, where he talks about having to you know bury his friends, having a beer one night, and then carrying the coffin the next day. Um, you know, not only does it harken back to the right stuff, which I think would have been. You know, not too far removed because right stuff came out in like '83, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so you're not too far removed from that. It's, you know, people would have clearly been aware. Um, it conjures up a lot of images. Um, you know, even name checks Chuck Yeager at one point. Um, you know, obviously even harkening back to the pilot episode sure. of of the show. So uh, there's just there's something about that that I, I really appreciate. It adds another uh, you know layer to his character and helps you to. I, I, I think, you know, obviously he gets played as the villain, but um, if you really do sit down and think about it, you can see what his motivations are sure. um, for doing what he does. Uh, and then certainly, of course, once Bobo saves him, Bobo slash Sam saves him at the end of the episode, um, I think it kind of, it, it provides a nice arc for Dr. Weaver. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Excellent point. Oh, I had another point. What, what, what was the point that I wanted to bring up in relation uh, to everything. <laughs> oh, it was a good point that we Ladies had to talk gentlemen, about. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis's theory of everything. <laughs> oh, my, my dad brain. My dad brain there. It'll, it'll come back. It'll come back later on. Oh, oh, here's what I wanted to talk about. This, this is about, 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 about the space program and about astronauts. Um, mm-hmm. Al mentions that he flew an Apollo mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, going off Matt's book, if you, if you take the context clues of what Al says, like he would have had to have been on Apollo 8. Which yes. is impossible because series canon establishes that he was a POW. Yeah. When Apollo 8 was up in orbit. 68, 69, yeah. So you could take it as a writer's goof, and I think we may have talked about this on the series before. What I prefer to believe is that Al has lived multiple timelines <laughs> because of Project Quantum Leap. And maybe there is a timeline out there where he was not a POW. And he was an astronaut. Goddamn. It's beautiful. And the reason why I love that is because it also explains why Al knows everything. Yes. <laughs> of course he was a boxer at one point. You yeah. Know? Of course he, he was, you know. He's done, um, he's done all of these things. Well, one of the, I believe that one of the other theories out there, uh, and there are multiple, um, but one of them I think also posits that in the Quantum Leap, Universe, the manned space flights and, and orbiting missions in Apollo went on longer than that. Yeah. Into like the early to mid 70s. Okay. Um, and then the other theory is that uh, due to changes in the timeline that Sam makes, is that Al gets back from Vietnam sooner. Sure. Yeah. In fact, I think that's, I, I think, don't quote me on this, I think that might actually be a part of POW. Pulitzer? Uh, yeah, Pulitzer, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, there there are definitely there have been some some explanations and thoughts and ideas floated out there, uh, and I think some of those come from the novels. But 
Um, if we're looking at it purely at face value, yeah, there's no way that he would have been able to have been on one of those missions. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, maybe one more thing to, 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 to bring home, like to just talk about the space program and everything. This is a video that I saw um, maybe back in 2011, yeah, because I think it was on the 25th anniversary of the Challenger explosion. And I can't remember how I stumbled upon this video. And it, 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 it's a very difficult video to watch, but it, if uh, especially if you're younger, it brings home the heartache of that day and how shocking that was in the moment. Uh, there's a video of uh, it, it was a camera that was just on the bleachers of the friends and the family of the astronauts watching the shuttle take off. Yeah. And it's on them when the shuttle explodes. And for a solid minute, they don't realize what's happened. Yeah. They are cheering. They think initially that the explosion is part of the the actual craft breaking away from the rocket. And it's heartbreaking watching them go from cheering to realizing what has happened. Yeah. And it's just silence, it's shock, and then slowly the bleachers empty as they yeah. go figure out what's next. Yeah. Um, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen the footage that, that you're talking about. It's. I, I just googled it real quick. So anyone who's uh, interested in, in watching it, it is available on YouTube. Uh, ABC News mm. did air it on the 25th anniversary, just like you were saying. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I remember seeing it as a boy. I watched it with my grandmother, um, and uh, you know, the, the 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 way I remember it, I believe, is that I had just gotten home because I was in kindergarten at the time it was only half days um, so I had just gotten home and we watched it on TV um, and uh, I, I mean it was to this to this day you know is certainly a very vivid memory for me. Um, you know, and just remembering, even remembering my grandmother's reaction, remember my grandmother telling my grandfather when he got home, you know, just, just all of that and, and, and remembering the conversations that took place, you know, the days, weeks, months, even years afterwards in the context of being a school student. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can remember, um, it wasn't something that just kind of like, went away it wasn't something that you know in this day and age you know not to sound cliched here but with the 24-hour news cycle being what it is and constant information at our fingertips on our phones and everything I think that it it was a it was a um, it, it maintained a presence mm-hmm. in, in a way that few things do in this day and age yeah well I mean you just take uh, 17 years later the, the shuttlecraft Columbia exploded Right or, or disintegrated in orbit, or, or upon reentry, uh, and I think that speaks to the point. Like it was a big deal for like five minutes, yeah, and then it kind of faded away. I think that speaks to exactly what you're saying. Yeah, 
Well, I think the other thing is, too, especially being young and being in school, you know, the uh, Krista McAuliffe, one of the, the astronauts, was a school teacher. Oh, and, yeah. And I, you know, I just, I, I remember that kind of being hit, hit on a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, talked about, talked about a lot. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's fascinating. I mean, and it, 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 one of the benefits, obviously, of the age in which we live is being able to go to, like, Wikipedia and, and just go down the rabbit hole, but, but reading about some of the, you know, the disasters... Um, the, of the space program and just you know modern space flight and um, yeah and it, 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 it really one of the things too that I have to say is that it, it makes me even more upset and sad that we don't for lack of a better word attack the space program as aggressively as we once did mm-hmm. you know it, I mean it's all but a, a ghost um, and, it, and, and it's really 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 sad to me that we're not continuing to push those boundaries mm-hmm. and we do a little bit I mean, we like with what they're doing on uh, on mars and the mars rover they 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 are doing more interesting things but like sometimes I'll, I'll see like a little snippet of astronaut or space program news and it's just really damn cool and i get angry because of everything else going on in the world that's overshadowing it right like god damn it <laughs> we could be geeking out over really cool shit yeah and yeah. A, yeah. I completely I completely agree. Yeah, it, it, you know, the other thing that's interesting too is just having you read about some of this stuff and, and reading about the scope of the investigations that take place afterwards and the and the you know the the, the hours and the manpower that goes into um figuring out what happened and what went wrong, which I I, I think um it's almost hard to wrap your head around sometimes. Um but you know, ultimately, one of the things uh, that that the episode uh, I think does in providing sort of that education about the space program is is sort of remind you of the cost of these innovations and 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 beyond the human cost, which is something that's easy to lose sight of, and and uh, probably one of the ways that they won that Genesis Award was shedding light on the fact that. Um, you know, here are these here are these animals that are ninety nine percent genetically compatible with us that we can actually receive blood transfusions from them. And if it weren't for them, uh, some of the innovations uh, that we've been able to achieve would not have been possible, or, or would have potentially taken a completely different route to get there. And and I think it's important for us to remember that as people who share this planet um, with with other other creatures, you know, that it's not mm-hmm. all about us. That we may be the most advanced and the smartest and sometimes let me just tell you i wonder if that's true um but, <laughs> yeah but you know we have the power of speech we've got our opposable thumbs etc but uh, you know it's nice to be reminded um you know when a documentary like planet earth comes around or something like that about all the you know, all the beauty that's out there and and and, and that we share we, we share this planet it's not ours mm-hmm. um and and that the achievements that we make are sometimes made uh, on the backs of some of those other creatures that we share the planet with, and I think that the episode, you know, does a, does a does good it, job of illustrating that. Yeah, I was reading this now, and I won't go into like the the nuts and bolts and all the details of it, but uh, reading in Matt's book, like um, at Deborah Pratt's direction, Paul Brown wrote the episode to give what they felt was a very even-handed debate between whether or not it was right to test on animals. Sure. Um, 
Like I said, I feel like they kind of leaned a little heavy too early making Dr. Winger the villain. Yep. Um, they could have made it a little bit more, not in the writing, but maybe in the, 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 the acting, they could have made it even more even-handed. But, I, like, yeah, I, I think they did a pretty good job of writing that line. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I would have liked to have seen that, and I think that that's one of the things too that that uh, when it comes to um, the treatment of Weaver's character early in the episode, it would have been really nice if when we got to the scene with him and Doctor Ashton having that debate and talking about kind of where they're coming from and what their ideas are. Uh, I don't know; it would have been interesting. And and the other thing too is I feel like it would have. Like, just the fact that he was there working on some sort of top-secret project that he couldn't tell her about would have been enough for me to to be like, there's something about this guy that I need to keep a watch out for, mm-hmm. as opposed to him being played in, you know, in, in such a way early on that um, maybe let on a little too much that this is our heavy, you know? Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but hey. Hey, to be fair, in the context of 1991 television, mm-hmm. that's just the way you did it. That's, that was I the mean, way you did that's, it. That you do it. You, you kind of got to hold your audience's hand and let them know who the bad guy of the episode is. And yeah. So they, they can feel comfortable. They know who to root for. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we get a nice sequence at the end. Like I so said, we have a pretty harrowing uh, sequence of, of Sam almost getting... The uh, impact test. The yeah. impact test. Uh, and then just a, a nice little endearing sequence of him running around with Corey. Yeah, yeah. I would really love to know what filming that sequence was like. Oh man! Because I'm sure, like, they, you know, all the care that needs to be taken to make sure that the animals aren't aren't, aren't harmed or, or anything like that. And just yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, then yeah, we 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 get to the final sequence. They almost get away. Winger chases after him, falls into a deep, not deep, body of water. <laughs> Sam saves him, and they make a big deal out of this earlier in the episode that chimps can't swim because they don't have enough body body mass. Sam is able to do it, and that that brings Doctor Winger around in this weird. This is like the one like really weird shot of the episode where Sam and Doctor Winger look at each other deep in the eyes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a little bit, yeah, a uh, little, little, little bit, little bit heavy-handed. Um, oh God, does he see Sam? Yeah, I've been calling him Doctor Weaver, haven't I? I've been, it's, That's but fine. It's Winger, it's Winger, not Weaver. And I'm calling myself out, everybody. I'm calling myself out. If you're listening and you've been sitting there saying, "Damn it, Sam, get it right," I'm saying it right now. That's it's fine. Winger, we got not it. Weaver, Doctor Winger, yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah, this is one of those episodes where, where Al is there at the end, and he like he gives like the full. And I feel like this one, like particular, this particular episode, like he's given like a very detailed rundown as quickly as he can to wrap yeah. this to wrap this story up. Everything turns out great. <coughs> Corey and Bobo have a baby. Yeah. And then Sam kisses Corey, which is adorable. Yeah, it's very it's very adorable. It's not quite the end of. Uh, uh, kamikaze kid. Oh dear God! <laughs> that one's rough. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then yeah. So next week's episode is going to be very interesting. Uh yeah. I haven't watched this one in years. I think we're gonna have Chris on as a guest too. Oh, is he gonna be on that one? I think so. I talked to him about it a while back. 
I'll have to I'll have to float the idea. Oh, do we, do we talk? Because like, do we talk about like doing like a like a spooky like psychological yeah. thriller episode with him? Yeah, because he's because you know he's a big horror film fan, and you know I think uh, uh, this this would be a good be a good fit for him. He might bring a little something interesting to the table. It would be good. It's like, been a while I, since we had him on too. So yeah, it'd be fun. yeah. I uh, I have not seen him in person since him and Nicole closed on their on their townhouse. Yeah, the last time we saw them, um, it wasn't too terribly long ago, but it would have been around one of the first big snowfalls of the season, and yeah. we had breakfast with them, um, and it was you know they met Hattie for the first time, and we all we all went out. It was, yeah, it was a good time. Um, yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping that we'll bring him back because it'd be fun. It'd be fun to have him on the show again, obviously, and I think again he brings something interesting to the table to talk about that episode. The you know the leap out sequence feels longer. I don't know that it is necessarily, but it feels longer to me. Here, here's the thing. This is gonna be interesting to talk about last episode. This is the one rare occasion where <clears throat> the leap in sequence next week is much much shorter. Mm. Because this week when he leaps out, like he's standing in a doorway and he walks around and he meets his uh, police partner and then he's walking. No, no, no. He trips and falls and then right. he pulls the blood pool. Yeah. And then the blood pool. And then he meets his partner. When we get to next week's episode, he leaps in at the point that he's falling down. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I almost like it better the shorter way. I mean, it's certainly, no pun intended, a lot more in your face. Yeah. Um, but, but speaking of horror, uh, do you recognize the music that they use over the end of this episode? It'll be interesting to see if they use if, if they use that same music next week. It is, this music for The Leap Out is directly... Lifted, directly lifted from the scene in the Halloween episode where Mary and Sam are arguing and gets upset and she starts having an epileptic seizure. Oh, interesting. All the way down to when Sam opens the door and he sees the eviscerated body. I don't know if you remember like the like the like the weird creepy voices as Mary starts seizing up. Yeah, yeah. They're there as Sam opens the door at the end of this episode and finds the body. Right, okay, okay. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see if they directly reuse that music for the main episode or if they were just, like, using it, in this case, for the teaser. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, To be completely honest with you, I do not remember much about the episode at all i it uh, uh I, I i didn't it was a little bit too creepy and weird for me when i was a kid i don't okay. i don't think i've watched it in well over a decade i i think i'm gonna go back and really enjoy it because they they do something really interesting with the whole idea of like sam Swapping places and swapping memories with someone, and those memories getting mixed up with his own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They do something really interesting with that. Well, right, because we've—I mean—we've talked about that before, and I remember that aspect of the episode because it's been something that we've talked about going back to like some of our very first episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, it will be. It'll be very interesting to tackle that within the context of the episode. Uh, I, you know, it's worth mentioning as well that mm-hmm. um, we are, I, I mean, we're like two-thirds of the way through the series at this point, once we hit Dreams. Um, like we got to be, yeah. Yeah, uh, we've got about 30... 34 episodes left, I believe. Yeah. Um, and this will be episode 60 uh, next next week. Now, for us, it's like episode 63 or something like that, because we you know we've done a couple of other episodes. Like oh, the it, intro episode, the interview episode. For sure. And, you know, and, uh, you know, we should jump back. I, I mean to brought this up earlier. One uh, bit of trivia about the wrong stuff that Jean-Pierre Dorleac, the costume designer that he brought up during our interview, is that apparently there was oh, one, yeah. there was there was one day where where Scott Bakula had him drive forty five minutes to the set just to make sure that his ass looked good in the diaper? Yeah, I don't blame him. No, it good. no, uh, it worked. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, because I was uh, I, I was looking at the mechanics of how the diaper was built. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, but yeah, we got to figure out like what our gimmick is going to be for the last season. The last season of the show was a gimmick palooza. We should just, we'll just we just start doing our own. We'll wear funny hats. We'll wear, yeah. We'll, we'll get uh, we'll, that no one can see. <laughs> we can start. We can start doing live streaming, Slack streaming. I don't know, another podcast that I listen to. They they do a special feature for their Patreon subscribers where where they'll like live stream them watching the episode. But anyway, right. we'll come up we'll come up with some gimmicks. Yeah, might as well. Might as well. Um, so, final thoughts. Final, final thoughts. thoughts. Um, I appreciate this episode more now that we've talked about it. Like I said, I really I like like f- like for me, it's not a top ten. But if I were introducing the show to someone else in a marathon, I would put this one on the list. Excellent. I yeah. Hmm. I, I like I said. I I think it's probably one of my favorites of season four so far. One of not not the uh-huh. but out of the seven episodes in so far, this one would certainly rank. Very high. It probably top three, um, but uh, I think that it is above and beyond other episodes that I would say are better. I think that it would be an episode that would be really great to put in to, like I said, a viewing marathon that I was introducing somebody. If they, like if, if if I said, you know, give me ten episodes, it would make it would probably make the cut. If I said give me five episodes, it would not make the cut. Probably not. No. <laughs> yeah. um, and depending on the mood I'm in, it might not even make the, the cut of ten. Uh, now that in no way is me saying it's one of the top ten episodes of the series of all time or anything like that. It's just saying, as an introduction, uh, I think you could do a lot worse. I think it, it, it really does a wonderful job of exemplifying what the show can do, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than I than I thought I was going to. I thought I'm going to sit down and watch the episode where he leaps into a chimp, and I came out of it the other side being like, man, I really liked that. Yeah. So there you have it. Surprising one. Awesome. So should we leap out of here? We should we should leap out of here. This is one on the shorter side, but we went way over last time, so that's true. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to be a little merciful, condense things a little bit. Yeah, I think we touched on everything. I don't have any. I really don't have yeah. anything else. to I think say. we touched on everything, and I'm looking forward. Like I said, I want to as soon as we wrap up. I feel like reaching out to Chris to see. Uh... Yes, you should do that. But there is one thing I do want to add What's that, that we only briefly touched on. How cool would it be? To have seen that chimpanzee karate. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I, I had that thought cross my mind. I'm just like, oh man, I wish they just had one shot. Yeah. One shot of the chimp standing off. But how difficult would that have been? Oh man, it, brutally difficult. In today's age, you could have done it with CGI. 
You know, you could have just like Planet of the Apes did, or you know, War of the Planet of the Apes, or whatever. Con- I don't know what the. I I I actually really love the the, the new movies, but uh, I like the old movies. Um, anyway, yeah, I just all 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 I can think of right at this moment is I have a in my head a running you know one real film of chimpanzees fighting with the kung fu fighting song as the theme music. That's just what I'm seeing right now. That would be amazing. Someone do that for us. I wouldn't say no. I, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> All right. On that note. On, on, let's sleep out of here. Yeah, on Kung Fu Chimps. Let's sleep out of here. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you next week for Dreams. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at www.quantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. I want to stay.